0: going to be a good morning because I am going to change your life. And of course you're like, that's heresy. Jesus changed lives. He will. He will change your eternal life. I will change your technological life because just recently I discovered this iPhone hack. So if you have an iPhone, I've got really, really, really good news for you. If you have an Android, you're a nonconformist, you probably can figure it out yourself. But for iPhone users, I recently like saw this video and I was like, oh, has that always been there? Because like in every meeting, every conversation, every everything, I am getting unwanted calls from robocalls, spam calls, unknown numbers. I mean, it's like all the time. And so I Google it and what comes up is the easiest thing in the world. I can take no credit for it, but you're welcome. So what you do, and there's gonna be something on screen, I mean, this alone made it worth coming today. The gospel's gonna be good, but this one will move the dial. I, you, you, you open your phone to the settings, you know, it's, it's the little, it's the gear. If you're over 60, it's the thing that looks like a, a metal gear. Uh, click settings, then you're gonna scroll probably just like two swipes down, and you'll see phone, super intuitive, phone. So after you click phone, then you're gonna scroll almost all the way to the bottom and there's going to be this, wait for it, feature that says silence unknown callers because that's what we're after. You push that, there's a toggle, simple toggle. You can turn it, it's likely off, that's the default setting. You just turn it on, boom! No more unwanted callers. Goodbye, robocallers. See you later, telemarketers except you have to know this, because I'm looking at Shoni Tucker right there. She emails me over the weekend. I had had told all of regeneration leadership about this, and she's like, hey, uh, really neat trick, but now my doctor's office, I'm missing all of their calls. How do you turn it back on? So note to self, if you're like, if you've already done that, and you don't have like your mom's cell phone number saved, uh, it's going straight to voicemail. And you might be like, she goes to voicemail anyway. Well, that's a different message and you need to repent. But if you don't have a number saved, all of your contacts will get through. Anybody who's not in your contacts goes straight to voicemail. Now, you'll still get the spammers voicemail, so they'll still tell you that, that the IRS, you are overdoing your funds and you should turn yourself in. All of those things are still gonna happen, but at least you can just delete the email and it's not gonna interrupt your day. And I share that because I, I, out of curiosity one time, I looked at like, iPhone analytics, I like Slip Right, and I was horrified, horrified, because I look at it, I'm like, wait, what? It shows hours spent on my iPhone, then I scrolled down, and it said number of notifications that I received, which was well over 100, then I scrolled further down, it was like watching a car wreck, I was like, wait, what, what else does my phone tell me about me? I scroll down, it's got notifications. It also has something called pickups. Um, pickups, I feel it too, sister. Pickups. It was over 100, also. So I just did simple addition. Now I'm about 300. Then I do divided by waking hours. And what it gave me was the equivalent of every two to three minutes, someone. Pinging me, my phone, the calendar reminders, a text message, a phone call, me picking up my phone and doing whatever. That's that's like going through your day, and every two minutes, uh, hey, you got a second? And you're like, uh, no, actually. Hey, can we talk real quick? Uh, did I ever tell you that? You know you're late for your meeting. Every two minutes, it's maddening. It made me want to like throw my phone through the wall. There's this thing called deep work that frankly we know nothing of. Deep work means. You're undistracted for like an hour of time. You give your soul devotion to a thing. Well, we can no longer do that because of this love-hate device that we carry around in our purse and pocket. And I share that because of that love-hate relationship. It's not just that I've got meeting notifications. I'm like reading my Bible one morning uh, because I'm super spiritual. And I'm I'm sitting there reading it. I think this was like when we had like uh, one child. Just to give you context, this was a long time ago. And uh, I get a text, I'm like, oh, who, who is this? Who would, be, who would be texting me at 4 a.m. when I have my quiet time? Just kidding, I don't. Uh, it was like, you know, 6.37. And as I look at the text, I feel like I hear God say to me, I hate your phone. True story. And I, I timestamped that of about, you know, nine years ago, because I don't know that I've done much about it. I think it's actually gotten worse, this phone. And so I, I've taken steps. Like I, I deleted um, some news apps and Google because what would happen with me is Google, if you're, if you're like, oh, because of, the, because of the bad images. I mean, that's not helping anybody, but it's not because of the bad images. It's because I would get on Google to, to look up like, you know, anything. And then what I found was is they have news there at the homepage. So I'm like, well, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I wonder what else. I'm scrolling. Y'all, I would scroll until there was no more. I can tell you what tools Bronze Age kings used in the latest archaeological discovery in, in Turkey. I'm like, I've gone down the rabbit hole. And it's not so much these, like, inappropriate images that are there. It's that I'm spending an inappropriate amount of time on my phone, but it's got my calendar, it's got my finances, it's got my photos, it's got my music, it's got my work with my email, my phone calls, my contacts, it's got everything. And last I checked, I think God's supposed to have all that. Because it has all those things, it's got my heart and my mind, and God's the one who's like, no, 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 I'm supposed to have your finances and your time and your, your relationships and contacts. And like, like that's my job. And no wonder you're stressed. But it's not just my phone. Laura and I—here's just like a microcosm of the last 72 hours. We had—it um, was our daughter's birthday, so she just rolled seven, and we had a very full weekend. So we've got her birthday. We had yesterday. We had three soccer games alone, and so we've got like a shared iPhone note. I've got an administratively gifted wife that says our weekend. Because otherwise, like, I'm not showing up to anything. Like, I have no context for like, I don't even know where I am, what I'm supposed to do. So it says, our weekend. And it's like a hard SAT question. It's like, if Penny has a soccer game at Archgate in Plano at 11 a.m., but Hill's soccer game begins at 12 o'clock at at High Point, and Judd's soccer game at the YMCA in Richardson is at 1.30, then who has the soccer ball? I'm like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know who... I I, I don't know. And the the amount of, we had to drive separate. She's like, okay, now take the birthday gift and you give this, then come home with his cleats and shin guards. And I'm like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. I'm teaching about rest tomorrow. I can't, like I. and, And then on top of all of that, we're like, Penny, what do you want for your birthday? You know, what would you like? You know what she wanted? A hamster. As if I didn't have enough stress in my life, I thought, how bad could a hamster be? I'll tell you, horrible horrible. It is a stub tail rat. That's all it is. It stinks. We call exterminators to get rats out of buildings. Now we just bought one, plopped it into our house. It reeks. It runs on its wheel all night long. It's like this. Rat. So we're looking for someone to adopt a hamster. Literally last night I'm like, hey Penny, so um, I know you already had your birthday. Would you like would you like anything else besides a hamster? Would you like, I don't know, would you like a cat? Would you like, a, would you like pierced ears? Would you like a car? Anything. So she's literally holding her hamster midnight, and she's like, midnight, do you wanna go back to the pet store? Talking to this thing, I'm like, what kind of dad am I? A wise dad. And it's not just our phones. Like, I'm I'm sure you got your own version of that. It's not your hamster, maybe. Maybe it's your boyfriend. Maybe he's the one that that stinks, and he's in your space. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's easier to get rid of hamsters. But I think we, as a people in society, are exhausted. We are stressed out. We are chronically busy. We live, especially here in Dallas, at this frenetic pace. And as a result... Shocker, we're filled with anxiety. We're prone to depression. We live in this constant state of agitation and stress and have no margin because whatever margin we used to have is swallowed up by all the pings. And I'm like, it's just such a problem. And I think the greater problem is, despite all of that, we don't even know how to rest. I think we have entirely forgotten what it is, biblically speaking, to rest. And so today... I want to offer a solution, the Bible's solution. Because Jesus said that in him we would find rest. In Jesus we would find rest. And not just any rest, but rest for our soul. Rest for your soul. And so if our souls aren't at rest, which I I would say for this past week, like mine is not, then it says something about my heart, and it's relationship with Jesus. And so today my aim is to resolve that disparity between stressed and rest. Because we're continuing the series, Made, and today is Made to Rest. And you can already see where I'm going here. We got got six days of creation, and the seventh day is missing. And so you've got the first day with light, and then sky, and then land and plants, sun, moon, stars, birds and fish, animals and people, and you're like, where's day seven? Well, day seven's not there because God ceased from his work. On these days, he's worked. This was his creative work. And then on the seventh day, it says that he rested. So let's get to the passage because rested is an interesting word. It says this, Genesis 2, 1 through 3, made to rest. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished. There's the six days and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, now not represented by one of these boxes, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, set apart, holy unto him because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So here's your, here's your roadmap for today. I'm going to give you a a biblical theology from the seventh day through the Bible on, on rest, on that seventh day Sabbath rest. Then we're going to talk about where we are as a society, what God offers as a solution, and finally, how personally to live in that reality. And so, first, God rested. God rested, but he didn't rest because he was tired. Like, that doesn't make sense. He's an, he's an omnipotent, all-powerful God. And so it's not like he's like, man, that took a lot. Uh, I'd love to catch the game and maybe nap for a little bit. He, when he says he rested, the verb is Shabbat. It's where we get the word Sabbath, which doesn't actually mean rest. It means to cease from work. And so he worked, 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 and he's like, that's it. That's good. That's good. And he ceased from his work. Now, not entirely. He ceased from his creative work, but you know what happened after Adam and Eve sinned? Then he's like, okay, back to work. But it wasn't creative work then, it was redemptive work. That is he's like, all right, I am after the souls of men and women to reconcile them back to me. And so when he continued that redemptive work, he gave his people, the nation of Israel, From Sinai, he gives to Moses the Ten Commandments. And the fourth of the Ten Commandments is the Sabbath. He says, keep the Sabbath, keep it holy. Cease from your work. And then when they get towards the promised land and they're about to enter back into Israel, he gives them Deuteronomy, which is just second law. Uh, Deutero, second, namas, law. He gives them the second law because all the others had dropped dead in the desert because of their unbelief. So he's like, oh, by the way, you're about to go into land. I need you to give you the law again. And so he tells them, hey, the Sabbath, that you're to keep holy, that's because I rested on the seventh day. I want you to rest also. I want you to cease from your work and remember that I'm the Lord. Like that one, that day is devoted to me. Also, I want to remind you that the Sabbath should remind you of Passover, which occurred on a Saturday while they were in Egypt. Now why would he do that? Why would he say the seventh day should also remind you, not just from ceasing work, but, but the Passover? Because they were under the control of their enemies, the Egyptians, and they didn't effort or wrestle or strive or war to get out of Egypt. Instead, you know what they did to get out of Egypt? They had a meal. God's like, you know I'm gonna get you out? You guys are gonna have a big barbecue. Everybody's gonna have lamb for dinner. That's how you go out. And that they would remember that every Sabbath. They were to remember God ceased from his work. And wait a second, you remember how he brought us out of Egypt? We literally just shared a meal together, and then we walked free. God is telling them, hey, hey, I got you. I'm your provider. I'm your sustainer. I'm your deliverer. It's not by your effort. I'm God. You're not. I got you. And every week you're going to remember that. So this Sabbath on Saturday was given for people. Even their animals weren't to work. Even the land was supposed to rest every seven days. They never followed that. It was to be a reminder to the nation of Israel. That's who the Ten Commandments were given to, to set them apart from the rest of the nations. That they would be like, "Wait, you guys like just don't work that day? They're like, yeah, because God, he works for us. They're like, whoa. And so that Sabbath was given to Israel. Now, you read in the New Testament and you see nine out of the 10 commandments transfer over. The theological and moral commandments are found. Sermon on the Mount, he's like, You've heard it said, Don't commit adultery. I tell you whoever looks lustfully. You've heard it said, Don't commit murder. I tell you whoever's angry in his heart. And so there, there's a over. Keep yourselves from idols. Last verse of 1 John. There's the carryover. But one is missing. Well, that's strange. It's the Sabbath. Like, where did the Sabbath go? Well, we just got a, like some kind of cosmic ripoff. Like the Jews, the nation of Israel, they got to rest. We don't get a rest on on a particular day. But God's like, no, 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 because in Christ, He is your Sabbath rest. Your rest is not found in a day. Your rest is now found in a way a way of walking and following your Savior. Because Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And not like you're tired, take a nap rest. Rest for your soul. For your soul to find rest in Jesus. He's like, I'm the Sabbath. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And so that Sabbath rest is found. It's found in Christ. Here it is from Colossians 2, verse 16 through 17. Here's the tie together from the old to the new. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival or a new moon celebration or, listen, a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. It's like that seventh day that that, that is missing of work when we cease from rest. You know why it's missing now in the New Testament? Because that was just a shadow. That was all just a buildup to point you to the only one who could give you rest for your soul. The shadow finds its reality in Christ. We were truly made to rest, and we find that rest in Jesus and so again, we do not get a day of rest, we get a way of rest. And so the point that I want to walk us through now, three, three ways, is are you tired? And are you tired, like I, I mean, I've already shared it somewhat in the introduction, but, but here it is um, for us to look at, just be painfully reminded Of the things, I always get nervous when I spin these around. I'm like, is it going to say red tie on your end? (laughs) Are we tired? I think we are. Biblically speaking, I think we can even argue it, but from the culture as well. So industrial revolution brought everybody from agri- agrarian society into the city place because of electricity and, and the jobs. They could work later and longer. Not necessarily a great thing. But then came the technological revolution. And an NYU sociologist named Dalton Conley, he coined the phrase weasure. Work, leisure, mashup. And that mashup has not been a blessing. Because what it means is, hey, we used to have leisure when we'd like you know, Saturday, Sunday, five o'clock, cut off. My dad would come home with a briefcase. Like, there was not a whole lot you could do with the contents of a briefcase. He just came home from work. There was leisure. Now, work and leisure have intertwined because you know what? I am, I am and you are, reachable every hour of every day. Somebody can send you an email, your boss can, at 10 p.m. at night. You walk in at 8 a.m. in the morning. He's like, did you, you see my email? You're like, Goodness, like we can never be off because of the technological revolution. And so Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 2, he, he tried it, man. He's, he's the OG workaholic. He's like, you know what? I didn't know what to do. So I, I made gardens, I made buildings, I made parks, and it was vanity. Like at the end of it, he made it all. And he's like, nope, life's not found there. It was vanity. It was a chasing after the wind. The second thing is Pace. In Psalm 127, verse 2, it says, In vain, in vain you rise early and stay up late, eating the bread of anxious toil. God's like, hey, you think you're working harder and you're going to accomplish something? The only thing you're getting is anxious. It's it's not found there. But we have this burnout culture, this high-stress culture, this culture of busyness. A TA knew that I was teaching on rest, and so he sent me a quote. I, I emailed him back. I was like, I'm teaching on rest, whatever that is. He, uh, he sent me this quote from a book, Zigarelli of Messiah University. He studied 20,000 Christians, pulled them. He said, what is the number one thing distracting you from God? Answer, busyness. Just too busy. Got am too busy for you. Eating the bread of anxious toil. 60% of people said sometimes they are too busy to even enjoy life. And then, this is crazy. We had some friends uh, who lived in Dallas a long time. They moved down to Waco. They came back from Waco, and they're like, oh, my goodness. I'm like, what, Georgia's? And they're like, no. The, uh, I got some Waco people who know. Uh, they're like, the, the, the pressure and stress. Like, we didn't even know. We didn't think we were in the rat race. But when we come up 75 and we hit I-20, like, I can feel it in my chest. Like, it's just on me again. I'm like, whatever. You're just trying to get us to move to Waco. Then some other friends move to Waco. And they come back, and they're like, dude, it's amazing. Like, truly, I just, like, feel at peace. I watch the sunset. I'm like, whatever, this is a conspiracy. We're not moving to Waco. A third family said, and we're like, uh, at this point, I'm like, all right. I'll pick up my phone. I'm like, is there something to living in an urban area? Y'all, it's called urbanitis. It's a thing. Now, don't walk into your doctor and be like, hey, doc, what brings you in today? Well, I got this bad case of urbanitis. <laughs> There's no pill for it. Uh, there is a person for it. Jesus can heal it. But it's a real thing. And you think about Dallas, like, dude, 75 alone will put you in a hospital, a mental hospital. But the pace that we live in, the materialism that we live in, the status seeking that we live in, like like, uh, John Cox, our executive pastor, he said, Dallas is a weird city. He's like, LA, they kinda got the vanity thing. You know, Boston's got the education thing, the accomplishments. He's like, Dallas just mashes them together and they, they seek after both. There's urbanitis that is affecting our soul. It's making us tired in life. Like a sleep, 35% of Americans are sleep deprived, one in three. Man, there is the tech, which I've already firmly established through our phones, our laptops, just all day, every day. Then you got your current events. Politics, economy, coming recession, COVID, long COVID, supply chain issues, the war that's over in Ukraine going on, you know, and the possibility of just Russia and that mess, and we're supplying arms and funds. And and so are we going to get further pulled into that? All of these things making us tired, but there's not just that war. There is the culture war. And the culture war is upon Christian values, which inherently makes it upon Christians, and so just a few of those. And, and before I share this, as I was thinking about like, well, why does culture make us tired? Well, Lot, so Lot, the guy who lived in Sodom, it says in 2 Peter 2.7, gives a, a little more glimpse into Lot's life. It said that righteous man, Lot, who was tormented day after day as he lived among the pagan people in that land. That him just living in that pagan society with all that they were known for was tormenting his soul. It was making him this. It was making him tired. So you think about like, well, what would make me tired about living where we live? Well, drag queen story hour would be one. You know, as you hear about this, and this is happening in Texas, that, that children are getting taken to a public place to have a transgender person read a book to a child, that used to be, ca- be called like transvestite pedophilia grooming. Now it's just called drag queen story hour. A judge in New York said that polyamorous relationships now count as marriage. And so marriage used to be man and a woman for life. Now it can be a threesome or more that they in New York, according to this judge, received the same marital rights. FBI raids with assault weapons on pro-life activists, socialistic leanings in our economy, which the Bible says in First Thessalonians, it says, if a man shall not work, he shall not eat. And then the increase in mastectomies, because you're like, how is that in culture? That's just like due to breast cancer, right? Like, that's not a bad thing. There's a 400% increase in mastectomies in the last three years by a particular age group. The age group is Children as young girls are going under the knife because of what they're being told is gender dysphoria and if you would just change your body, then you can really be who you're supposed to be. That will wear on your soul. That will make you tired. And the application for that point is early voting starts this week. (laughs) And I wanna say this. Uh, because some people got up out of the first service when I, when I walked through some of those headlines. Um, I am not against transgender people. I hope every transgender person in Dallas comes through these doors and finds Jesus because they're tired. They're more tired than we are because we have a savior, they don't. I hope every person in the same-sex relationship, polyamorous, whatever it is, would come through these doors and find Christ. I am not against the individual. I am against the movement and the normalization of sin. Because the Bible is. So we're tired. No wonder we're tired. You know what else makes you tired in case you're like, yeah, I'm the transgender movement? Sin. Your own sin makes you tired. Psalm 32 says, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. My bones groaned because I had sinned that I didn't confess. So let judgment begin with the house of the Lord and may we repent before we throw any stones at anybody else. And I know as you're applauding, it's for biblical values, not because you're throwing any stones, but may we repent because that will make us tired. Our own sin will make us much more tired than anybody else's sin and even ministry. Ministry can make you tired, Mark 6, 31. Jesus said, come away with me to a desolate place and find rest because you didn't have any any leisure to eat. They didn't even have time to eat because they were so consumed with ministry. Like for all those factors, we are tired. We're a tired people. But I don't think the problem is solely just those things external to us. I think the problem actually is me. I think I, I think I am the problem. I think I'm the problem because I don't know how to rest anymore. And even when I do, I choose not to because I live according to my way of life rather than God's order way of life. You see, he has given us an order in his word saying, if you live according to my way, you will have peace. You'll have rest. But I'm like, no, no, I'm going my way. But I'm the problem. But if I would reorder myself to God's way, tell me I spelled tried. The first service, I was holding up an R the entire time. (laughs) Yes! Have you tried God's way? He gives us an order to life that leads to rest and to peace. We're tired because we have not tried God's way. That's why we're tired. But if we would try God's way, we'll find peace. Why? Because here it is. God's word, which is his will, it says in Psalm 19, The law of the Lord is perfect. And you're like, okay, great. The law is perfect, good. Neat theological fact. It goes on to say, reviving the soul. That your soul is revived as you ingest his living and active word, God's ways. It says when we live according to the spirit, the Holy Spirit, when we're like, man, I'm following you. I'm not gonna follow the world. I'm not gonna follow culture. I'm not gonna follow my flesh. I'm following you today. That that results in life and peace. Have you tried God's way? God's authority. You see, some people, they're like, well, I I attend this church, and I really like that, Pastor, so I go there sometimes, and I really like that podcast, and you're under no authority of God. God has given elders of churches, it says, to keep watch over your soul, that even in becoming a member of a local church, It doesn't have to be this one. There's a great many deal of gospel preaching, Bible teaching churches in the area, but be a member of one so that your soul can be kept watch over. It's not just you and Jesus. He has given elders as under shepherds to watch out for the flock of God. Don't be a sheep roaming off by your own and thinking you're gonna be okay. You are gonna be stressed and fretful and frankly, devoured. And then prayer. It says in Philippians 4, it says, Do not be anxious, so don't be tired, but if you tried God's way, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, presents your prayers and requests, your petitions before God with thanksgiving, and it says, there's our command, that's our part, just like, go to God, and this is what I need today with thanksgiving, and then it says, his part is to give you peace. It says, in the peace of God, have you tried God's way? The peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And it's peace that surpasses all understanding. You think you got some circumstances, you're like, well, what am I gonna do about this? Like, there's no way out of this. My work stress, my home life stress, my in-law stress, my financial stress. He's like, no, this is not a logic problem. It's a supernatural problem. You bring those problems to me, you, you give me your pressures, I exchange them for peace. It's what he does. Have you tried God's way? And God's people, Galatians 6, 2, that we are to bear one another's burdens. Some of you, are, you're, you're tired because you haven't tried God's way of letting somebody else carry that. You know, we go to our community group, and we're like, hey, Laura's going through breast cancer. And somebody, you know, had a family member die. And whatever conflict is going on, and this week we had to say, and we got a hamster, and we need your help. <laughs> but you carry one another's burdens. But it's not just, those things about God that we haven't tried, God himself, he says. In Psalm 23, it says, God himself, he restores my soul. Soul restoration by God himself. Have you tried God's way? And we get all of that in the gospel. Like, sometimes we're like, okay, forgiveness of sins, Heaven when I die. And God's like, no, no, you're not reading. Like if you try, tried God in my way, like I give you peace, I give you rest. I did the work so you don't have to. I worked so that you can rest. When every other religion, Islam, I hope your good deeds outweigh your bad. Hinduism, you better live a good life because when you die, maybe then you'll be reincarnated into a better one and then again and then again and then again until maybe you're good enough and you get absorbed into Brahman or maybe you follow that eightfold path of enlightenment so that you could reach nirvana with Buddhism or maybe it's the cults, Jehovah's Witness and Mormonism. It's like, oh yeah, Jesus, yeah, he's fine and good, but you better work real hard. You better do some work In Christianity alone, Jesus said, I did the work. It's why he was, he said, it is finished. It's finished, there's nothing more to add. But rather, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest for your souls. And Jesus said, Father, I've brought you glory on this earth by doing everything you have given me, all the work so that we can find our rest. We are tired because we have not tried God's way. We're going duty instead of devotion. But here it is. The answer is that Jesus, that he is our rest. I was at the fair recently with our kids, uh, took out a loan, went there, and, <laughs> and we get done. We do the rides and all the treats and the corn dog, and we're, and we're leaving, and this is so messed up. So messed up, they know what time it is. It's bedtime. We're going, I'm pushing a stroller, by the way. There's no kids in it, it's just all our junk that we had to buy. And all of a sudden, and I was like, no! And the kids are like, ah, fireworks! I'm like, there's not fireworks in October, what are they doing? The kids stop, they're looking at the fireworks, and then all of a sudden, ballet starts, because why not, it's the fair. And so there's a stage, and ballerinas, and pennies in ballet, and so she's like, I'm like, oh, girl, we gotta stay, you know? it's like, tangible clickbait from my kids. I don't even walk over. Laura and the kids, they walk over, they're picking over the fence, and I'm just standing there with a scroller. I'm just angry about fireworks and ballet, like that, those dirty, rotten, as if the fare wasn't enough. And then I was like, ah. The Lord was like, repent, repent. It's okay. So I, I leave the stroller, and I walk over to the family, and I just come up behind Laura, and I just start like, Just just a little, just hey, I'm here, I love you, I'm with you. As as I'm watching the fireworks, just and you know that feeling when someone's looking at you? I was like, what? I was like, oh there was a man, a huge man, a like truck of a man, like a fair man. And he just looks at me like, why are you touching me? <laughs> I had been stroking this man's arm. <laughs> and I was like, ah! I'm so sorry. I'm just backing away, I'm so sorry. And he's like. I was like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And it looked like it disarmed the situation. And then I said something worse, I go, I thought you were my wife. (laughs) He's like, you thought I looked like a woman. And then Laura's like, you think I look like him? I was like, forget it, vote up. (laughs) I am telling you that because you can do the right thing to the wrong person. (laughs) Let's talk about Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. Oh my goodness, y'all, we can go through all the motions. You can do all the right things, but if it is with the wrong person, and I know what you're thinking, you're like, is that an S or a swan? <laughs> and, I, and I'm not going to tell you who made those S's because I told Lois, I will not tell anyone that you made those S's. Just like the Jews got legalistic about the Sabbath, like they're like, well, that's the Sabbath and we don't want to offend God, so let's make rules around the rules because we don't want to do anything bad. And they got legalistic about it. We can get legalistic about this spiritual life. We can, we can try God's way and get legalistic about it. Like, well, I have to do Bible memory and I have to do reading. I have to go to community. I have to be a member of the local church and all the have tos. It's like, no, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. No, that's like the guy at the fair. You, you, you're in a relationship with a person. This is Jesus. Jesus gives you his rest. Now, he will give you through those means of grace that we have discussed, but we are talking about a person. He said, come to me. Not come to a bunch of things to do. He did the work so that we can rest. He says, come to me as a person. I'll give you rest. We just go to him, and he says, I got you. I'll give you rest. And you know why you can rest in Jesus? Jesus can rest in Jesus? Because he never does. He never rests because he is for you. Because Jesus works, you can rest. Here it is from the scripture. He never sleeps. You're gonna have to put on a Trinitarian hat for this, but Psalm 121. It says, he who keeps Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. God, trying God, never sleeps. He ceased from work one day and then has been working to redeem mankind every single day since. He doesn't sleep in case you're like, well, if he's not, if he's not sleeping, then what's he doing? He's working. He's working on behalf of mankind, which is John 5:17. When on that Sabbath day, this seventh day, and Jesus always, always, he's like, I mean, he's just drawing the Pharisees off sides. Anytime he heals somebody, generally, it's on the Sabbath. And so they're like, why are you doing it? Hey, you got six days to heal people. Don't do it on the seventh day. It's like, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. I'm doing it there. You're not, you're missing it. Like, I'm your rest. And then they ask him, you you can do this anytime. And he says, my father is always at work and so am I. You can rest because Jesus is always at work. And what, you know, if he's working then, can we trust his work? Well, his work is always unto good. It says in Romans 8, 28, for those who love God, he works all things for good for those who love him. So he is working and he is working for good. And if you're like, well, not in my life, you don't know the details He's not working anything good in my life. And if it's not good, it's been said, then he is not done. And he's not gonna stop working and nor will he ever sleep. And he always provides. You know it says, Psalm 127, in vain you rise early, stay up late, eating the bread amongst your toil. The rest, the balance of that statement, that verse, it says, for he gives to his beloved even while they sleep. He's like, no, no, you think, you think you're the one working and making all this happen? Deuteronomy 8 says, for he gives, God gives the ability to produce wealth. He's like, that, that's not gonna accomplish it. I'm the one who gives to you. So you, you put in a faithful day of work, lay your head down and sleep well, because I got you. I'm the one who's going to do it. I give to my beloved even while they sleep. And then finally it says, he always prays. Hebrews 7.25, consequently, He's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, Jesus, since he, Jesus, always lives to make intercession for them. If you're in Christ, Jesus is praying for you all day, every day. Can you even imagine? Can you even imagine? The Lord himself is praying for you. And so we find our rest in Jesus. My, my phone, you know, if I said, hey, what does this run on? I'd be like, iOS, it's the operating system. And maybe you haven't downloaded the new version that takes an hour and crashes your phone. But nonetheless, it runs on iOS. It doesn't, it doesn't. It runs on electricity. And so my phone gets tired, it'll lose the charge. And, and me just setting it down for a while will not recharge it. That's the equivalent of being like, man, I'm tired, so I'm gonna have a meal. I'm tired, so I'm gonna take a nap. I'm tired, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna chill and watch a movie. Well, those things are fine. There's nothing wrong with them. Or I'm not, I'm not gonna work on Sunday. And you probably shouldn't. Like, you should rest on Sunday. But what that's gonna give you is physical rest or mental rest. Not a single one of those is going to touch your soul and give you soul rest. The only way my phone is ever gonna get recharged is if I plug it into the source. The source is Jesus. And so here's my application for you right now is I want you to think of one way right now that you can find some rest this week in Jesus. And for some of well, for all of you, it's gonna look different. God's made us all different. You know what it is for me? My fire pit in my backyard. That is where I find rest for my soul, where I can just meet with God and be still. It's like I go out there, I'm outside, I'm, I'm stirred by creation and I'll just be still and shake off a, lot of the, a little of that urbanitis by time with Jesus. Nate Grabo, the guy who wrote the region curriculum, he would say he's a contemplative, so he, he rests by reading theology. Robin Dutton, who works on our external focus team, she rests through artwork. You just think about, Lord, how, how can I rest and recharge in you? Because I'm, I'm tired, and I wanna try your way, and I wanna find my rest in Jesus. Here it is finally, that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. In Hebrews 4, it uses the word rest 10 times in 10 verses. And the verb is katapao, which means to cause to rest. It's like Psalm 23 when he makes me lie down. He causes us to rest because he is our Sabbath rest. It says this, now we, church, who have believed, enter that rest. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Come to me, all you who labor labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest, rest for your soul. I began today by by telling you about the, the phone hack, you know, how to silence the unwanted calls. And it was a, it's a feature there within the phone. The designer of the phone, I don't know, Tim Cook or whoever that works at Apple was like, hey, we ought to, we ought to do something for them. Because they're getting blown up by all those unwanted, it's just noise, incessant noise, we should do something. Let's, let's put a toggle in there, a feature that can silence all that. And in the same way, your designer, your designer has not given you a feature. He's given you himself. How amazing that God's like, I'm I'm not gonna give you a tip or trick. You get me, I will give you rest. So brothers and sisters, let's stand now and let's sing to the only risen Savior and the one who gives rest for your soul.